perhaps, and perhaps I do this every week, but I remember at least a little bit about last week. Oops. Anyway, last week I spoke of the point of our practice of uh, meditation is not to become Buddhists, not to become even good meditators, not to uh, become great sutra masters or uh, anything about uh, some kind of presentation of of the Buddha Dharma, but to experience, as the uh, Buddha used the expression, the sure heart's release. To to that the whole point of of the direction of practice that is often described as seeing through the self illusion. Uh, the whole idea of seeing the selflessness of this body, that it's made up of the, all the elements of earth, air, fire, water, and all the influences that have, uh, the beginningless influences that have come together to make us, that it's not just about seeing that um, through the illusion of separateness, it's not just about seeing that your thoughts think themselves or the feelings arise and pass, Unbidden, and they, they come and they go, not just to see this and say, wow, I see this. The whole point of it, of seeing through this illusion of separateness, is to unleash uh, our caring hearts, to unleash our love. And I think this week we've been uh, offered a, one of those moments where a natural disaster in some way becomes a kind of shortcut uh, to seeing through the illusion of separateness and quite naturally without a lot of practice when and this is a reminder that what we awaken to is what is intrinsic in us but quite naturally uh, many of us most of us if we have a heart at all have felt our hearts break in the face of this um, this world disaster uh, in um, Japan. And through the day today, I I didn't know why this chant was going through my mind, and this chant has gone through my mind quite often for the last 30, let's see, now uh, I'm dating myself, it's now 42 years ago I learned this chant Let's see, 80, yeah, 33 years ago. <laughs> but this chant kept floating through my mind. That, in fact, I shared it here a couple weeks ago or three weeks or a month ago, and it was the words of Neem Karoli Baba, uh, who, whose words were put to music by Jai Utal. And I thought that we would chant it together tonight to uh, remember that we have this this moment where we can actualize what he was trying to suggest in this chant. I'll do it once by myself, and then we can do it a few times. A little bit of a change of pace here. So it goes like this. I am like the wind. No one can hold me. I belong to everyone. No one can own me. The whole world is my home. All are my family. I live in every heart. I will never leave thee. Oh, 
crystal tears. Oh, taking away my fears. Try it with me. I am like the wind. No one can hold me. I belong to everyone. No one can own me. The whole world is my home. All are my family. I live in every heart. I will never leave thee, oh, crystal tears. Oh, taking away my fears. Once more. I am like the wind. No one can hold me. I belong to everyone. No one can own me. The whole world is my home. All are my family. I live in every heart. I will never leave thee, oh, crystal tears. Oh, taking away my fears. Thank you for chanting with me. So this is one of those moments where we can sense that our uh, our that we are like the wind that we are we are at our deepest nature that invisible force that pervades everyone and everything that uh, that we don't uh, I I am like the wind no one can hold me I belong to everyone no one can own me that widening circle of of caring that naturally comes forth we don't feel like separate people when in the face of the kind of uh, suffering that, uh, well, it's going on every day in the world, but it's times like this when it wakes us up out of the, the stupor or the absorption of our own internal drama, and we come out of that tangle of, of our own individual issue, and uh, that uh, love, that, that caring naturally begins to flow again from our hearts, and I've been so touched by what little, unfortunately, I was leading a retreat over the weekend, traveling, and uh, so my, the little bits of information that have been coming my way are small. Then I've been meeting with people uh, uh, this week up until this evening, but some of the things that I've heard are just such, so inspiring Uh, besides the unspeakable suffering and grief in many people's lives and tremendous fear and loss and so much, there have been amazing acts of selflessness, which is just another reminder that I'm sure it took no consideration, not much consideration for the 50 people who are now sequestered inside this uh, this uh, nuclear power plant who've basically give them, given themselves a slow death sentence, kind of the living, the, what do they call it, the dead, dead men walking, by staying to make sure that, uh, that f- I guess each reactor required 51 gallons of water per minute in order to keep it from melting down. And, and they've just been dealing, putting out one fire after another, literally and figuratively. And just that expression of selflessness, which I think is our birthright. It's our nature. 
But we've gotten so, uh, we get so wound up in our self-interest, and especially in this culture. And the reason I say in this culture, because another story that I heard today, many of you may have heard this already, but there was just a small little anecdote of a shop in somewhere near the area of Japan where the reactors um, were threatened. People went into the shop to get their basic needs, their water and some food, etc. And they were lined up at the cash register waiting to pay their money. And the person who was running the cash register could not open the cash register. I'll just back up by saying there has been no looting. It would never happen that way here. Let's just be honest. No looting. But in this case, not only was there no looting, but the people waited patiently, graciously, and then when they realized that the person could not possibly open the cash register, they all put their items back on the shelves and left. <laughs> this is a reminder of how civilized human beings can be. What happens when a culture is, is much more much more, um, not saying it doesn't have its shadows, its oppression, its, its myriad problems, but a culture that is built around the community, that's built around selflessness, that's built around, uh, that not about, it's not built around the, uh, the elevation of the individual. And each person for themselves. And you can see the continuum in this country. There are a whole swath of people who are, are, would do exactly what the, the Japanese people did in this particular place. But there is a whole side of our culture that would be in there thinking, what can I get for, for me? And for me, this is a, a, not only a, it's a, a moment to for our hearts to just break in our caring for the, the suffering that's going on and, and the appreciation for the heroism and the beauty that's come forth and other stories of amazing acts of kindness and, and caring. People just stop someone and say, do you need something? Can I help you? And it's a beautiful thing. But this is also a time for us, I think, to to let it be the cause of, as the Tibetans would call it, cause of turning our mind toward the Dharma, using this to remind ourselves of, for example, example as the Tibetans do, to remind ourselves of the preciousness of our lives, the preciousness of our near and dear ones, the, the preciousness of our, and the shortness of our time here. It's so uh, easy to think we have time. And that reminds us then the, the second reflection that the Tibetans often uh, engage in 
is the reflection on the reality of impermanence, which is really embedded in the first one. What Part of what makes our life precious is the fact that it can end in any moment, and it will end. To anyone who is birth or death is the... Uh, is the result to anyone who is born. And we, and in this case, we, we clearly have to be reminded that the, the time of death and how we will die is completely uncertain. But that, isn't a, that shouldn't be the cause of fear. And what we often do in our self-interest is go into fear and worry. But we, what we do in our communal interest is we go into, into seeing what we can do to help. How can we ease each other's pain and stress of being born into a world that is completely in a state, a con- pretty continual state of uncertainty? Where it's very hard, where the, the, another one of those reflections that the Tibetans engage in is what they call reflecting on the defects of samsara. That everybody's life is marked with dissatisfaction, frustration, that which is difficult to bear. And rather than be worried about this, it, our opportunity is to stay in a state of goodwill and love. In fact, even cultivate it more and cultivate a complete commitment to acting in a way that is, is harm, that is, uh, that, um, is not causing any harm. So I, this may be a strange thing to do tonight, but I thought that we would all, because we do live communally in spite of our, think, our thoughts that we're, we live completely apart, even though if you go into a cafe now, most everyone is in their little electronic pods, and people do hide in their cars and hide in their homes. We are not on the streets like, they, like you find in other cultures. But nevertheless, in moments, and perhaps this is a moment where we can realize that we don't exist apart from each other, that we're quite intimate and connected at all times, whether we know it or not. And then in that light, commit ourselves to the at least the basic training guidelines that the Buddha offered that I think are useful for, for all. I brought along a kind of hybrid version of Thich Nhat Hanh's training for non-harming. You can do these inwardly if you're open to it. Number one, aware of the suffering caused by violence. I undertake the training to refrain from killing or committing violence toward living beings. I will attempt to treat all beings with compassion and loving kindness. Two, aware of the suffering caused by theft, I undertake the training to refrain from stealing, from taking what is not given. I will attempt to practice generosity and will be mindful how I use the world's resources. Aware of the suffering caused by sexual misconduct, I undertake the training to refrain from using sex in ways that are harmful to myself or to others. I will attempt to express my sexuality in ways that bring joy and feelings of connection. Aware of the suffering caused by harmful speech, I undertake the training to refrain from lying, 
from harsh speech, from slander, and from idle speech. I will attempt to speak and write in ways that are both truthful and appropriate. Aware of the suffering caused by alcohol and drugs, I undertake the training to refrain from misusing intoxicants that dull and confuse the mind. I will attempt to cultivate a clear mind and an open heart. In general, we can really commit ourselves. It's one of the ways that we can use our conceptual mind to incline ourselves toward that heart that is big as the world, where we are like the wind, no one can hold us, that we belong to everyone, no one can own us. The whole world is our home, all our family. We can do as the Dalai Lama does every day. I, I think it's I think we are born with the capacity to be altruistic, to be responsive, to be sensitive to our interdependence, but it's very easy to forget. So the Dalai Lama, in spite of what seems like a a naturally expansive heart, every day, this is the passage that he is is said to repeat. He says, in one of his talks, he says, to close with, I would like to share a short prayer which gives me great inspiration in my quest to benefit others. May I become at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost their way, a ship for those with oceans to cross, a bridge for those with rivers to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. How many of you had one of those kinds of thoughts today? I'm sure there are a few people here who have altruistic intentions. But this is a possible. We are, our minds are, just as the Japanese were, they were trained. They were trained in some way by their culture. To be, uh, to be sensitive, to be, uh, to be gracious, to I'm and I'm sure some uh, I can't vouch for the the whether the intention behind it is wholesome or unwholesome, but you can see that their actions are conditioned. Our actions are conditions. Our tendency to be caught up in our own internal world our own struggles, our own individual situation. That's learned. It's conditioned. We're not taught from the time we're born to think of others, to be a protector, to be a healer. This is something that we have, been, that we have not necessarily been taught. It's something we can learn. So if anybody wants to copy this down before we leave tonight, I'm happy to share it. It's short, so it's easy to remember. In our tradition, the Theravada tradition of Buddhism, the tradition that uh, practice of insight meditation has been kind of carried, the vessel of insight meditation, teaching the Theravada is the the, the tradition, the Theravada tradition is considered, the Thera means elders, it's the teaching of the elders, it's the oldest of the sutras of the Buddha. 
in the Theravada tradition, the, the very important sutra that has this spirit of of the wide circle of affection, of of purifying our hearts for the benefit of all beings, is the famous, maybe one of the most famous sutras called the Metta Sutta. And I brought a copy along tonight for all of us to ponder and to uh, listen to. I feel as though these words are, they're holy. So this is the Metta Sutta. And then I thought that we would chant a little hybrid version of the Metta Sutra together. The Metta Sutta. This is what should be done by those who are skilled in goodness and who know the path of peace. Let them be able and upright, straightforward and gentle in speech, humble and not conceited, contented and easily satisfied, unburdened with duties and frugal in their ways. Wow. Peaceful and calm and wise and skillful, not proud and and demanding in nature. Let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove, wishing in gladness and in safety May all beings be at ease. Whatever living beings there may be, whether they are weak or strong, omitting none, the great or the mighty, medium, short, or small, the seen and the unseen, those living near and far away, those born and to be born, May all beings be at ease. Let none deceive another or despise any being in any state. Let none, through anger or ill will, wish harm upon another. Even as a mother protects with her life her child, her only child, so with a boundless heart should one cherish all living beings, radiating kindness over the entire world, spreading upward to the skies, downward to the depths, outward and unbounded, freed from hatred and ill will. Whether standing or walking, seated or lying down, free from drowsiness, one should sustain this recollection This is said to be the sublime abiding. By not holding to fixed views, the pure-hearted one, having clarity of vision, being freed from all sense desires, is not born again into this world. chant. Ready for it? Essentially this chant goes like this. May, all, may by this practice in accord with the, with the true Dharma, I honor the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha. The Buddha is that, that capacity of 
being awake, to awaken, uh, any moment to be awake. Uh, the Dharma is the truth, the law, the way things are, this moment as it is, the teachings. I honor the Buddha, the Dharma, the Sangha, the community. I honor my mother, my father. I honor my teachers. May all beings, all living things, all creatures, individuals, all personalities, all females, all males, all noble ones, all who are not so noble, all deities, humans, those in unhappy states, may they be free from enmity, mental suffering, physical suffering, take care of themselves happily, may they be free from suffering, may they enjoy safety and abundance, may they have their karma as their true property, may all beings be happy, well spoken. So here's the Pali. We'll chant it together. This has been, flavors of this have been chanted for thousands of years. So each time, at least when, when I chant this, it punctuates that altruistic intention, that reminder that I'm, my, my life can be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of other beings. So we'll do this call and response. Imaya Damanu Dama Pati Patiya Budam Pujami Imaya Damanu Dama Pati Patiya Dhammam Pujami Imaya Damanu Dhamma Patipatiya Sangam Pujami Sangam Pujami Imaya Damanu Dhamma Patipatiya Mata Pitunam Pujami Mata Pitunam Pujami Imaya Damanu Dhamma Patipatiya Acharyanam Pujami Sabe Sata Sabe Panna Sabe Buhuta Sabe Pugala Sabe Atabawa Pariyapanna Sabaitiyo Sabepurisa Sabearya Sabeanarya Sabedehiva Sabe Manusa Sabe Winipatika Sabe Winipatika
patika awera hontu apya paja hontu apya paja hontu aniga hontu sukiyatanam pariharantu harant dukamuchantu yata lada sampatito mahigachantu kamasaka sabe sata suki hontu together sadu three times sadu 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 that means well spoken well spoken well spoken or excellent 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 so so i I know that it, this is just a uh, this is this is a formality of invoking these um, intentions and these sentiments, and the the real practice is to let the the spirit become embedded in our hearts and turn this not just into thoughts but into actions of our body, actions in our speech, and actions in our thoughts. So, so it's um, but this is a start and. So this time asks us to keep our eyes open, to let ourselves be touched, to let this event even be, uh, rather than the cause of our fear, which is why so many poems of so many poets like Wendell Berry says, uh, let's see, I may have brought it with me. He says... uh, Come into the peace of wild things. To you know, stay here. Uh, come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. A lot of people right now, and naturally, as our, our organism, we start to be afraid. I'm. I felt a little fear today, not so much for myself, but I have a seven-year-old at home. And what happens if we do get a a big cloud floating this way? And it's easy to spin out. But do we want to then? act out of fear or do we want to there's really one there's two choices either fear and contraction and me and mine or is it is it uh, to stay in a state of love and doesn't mean that you don't take care of yourself but that you you keep your heart open you let yourself you let it breathe even if it's with grief you let it breathe you let it you let yourself feel a continual reminder that that we that our hearts are that we're we can recover that greatness of heart that we are trainable even if we've gotten so much lost from our sense of community and our sense of connection we just by inclining our actions and our thoughts we can connect again and so not to let this moment where we've been offered a little jolt 
not let ourselves go back to sleep. Use it as a as a uh, reminder. Use it as a kind of urgency to to um, be good to each other. Simple in one way. Be good to ourselves. Good to each other. Remember that we don't exist apart from each other. But it doesn't mean, last thing I really wanted to say, is it doesn't mean that we have to be unhappy because there is so much suffering going on around us. And even so much suffering in our own minds once in a while or quite often. But our world also needs this the enormity of stress and suffering to be balanced with gladness and joy and being able to laugh and be able to remember where we are right now not to to be able to step out of our um, fixation on what's going on in the world and let let ourselves let it be the reminder to really live to to uh, appreciate this precious life, and the reason I said have have fun or be able to laugh because I wanted to share this one of my favorite poems that I've often shared on Tuesday night, but Jack Gilbert's poem, "A Brief for the Defense," and I hope it's appropriate tonight. Sorrow everywhere, slaughter everywhere. If babies are not starving someplace, they're starving somewhere else, with flies in their nostrils. But we enjoy our lives because that's what life wants. Otherwise, the mornings before summer dawn would not be made so fine. The Bengal tiger would not be fashioned so miraculously well. The poor women at the fountain are laughing together between the suffering they have known and the awfulness of their future, smiling and laughing while somebody in the village is very sick. There is laughter every day in the terrible streets of Calcutta, and the women laugh in the cages of Bombay. If we deny our happiness, resist our satisfaction, we lessen the importance of their deprivation. We must risk delight. We cannot do without ple- we can do without pleasure, but not delight, not enjoyment. We must have the stubbornness to accept our gladness in the ruthless furnace of the world. To make injustice the only measure of our attention is to praise the devil. If the locomotive of life runs us down, we should give thanks that the end had magnitude. We must admit that there must be, will be music despite everything. We stand at the prow again of a small ship anchored late at night in the tiny port, looking over to the sleeping island. The waterfront is three shuttered cafes and one naked light burning. To hear the faint sound of oars in the silence as a rowboat comes slowly out and then goes back is truly worth all the years of sorrow that are to come. So just for the last few minutes, we can just stop and sit on our little boat of Dharma uh, under our Bodhi tree and let ourselves feel the gladness of our existence and being together.
And as we touch this single point, the Buddha called ekagata, that single point that we touch when we're right here is the single point that includes everything, everyone. Touched by all life right where it touches us. From this vantage point where we're connected to all things, we share our thoughts and prayers with the people of Japan, people touched all over the world by this disaster. And I'd like to just end finally with a, a letter that, the, that Thich Nhat Hanh wrote to um, the people of Japan. And we can hold them in our hearts as we listen. Dear friends in Japan, as we contemplate the great number of people who have died in this tragedy, we may feel very strongly that we ourselves in some part or manner also have died. The pain of one part of humankind is the pain of the whole of humankind. And the human species and the planet Earth are one body. What happens to one part of the body happens to the whole body. An event such as this reminds us of the impermanent nature of our lives. It helps us remember that what's most important is to love each other, to be there for each other, and to treasure each moment we have that, that we are alive. This is the best we can do for those who have died. We can live in such a way that they continue beautifully in us. Here in France and at our practice centers all over the world, our brothers and sisters will continue to chant for you, sending you the energy of peace, healing, and protection. Our prayers are with you. May all beings everywhere be touched by caring. And may our practice tonight, any blessings, any goodness, anything from our practice, be dedicated to the welfare and benefit of all beings especially tonight, the people of Japan. May all beings be free. Our friend Anne has a brief announcement. I hope you can stay for a couple moments. Here's Anne. Anne Dietrich. Thank you. Thank you, Howie Cohn. Thank you. Thank you. I just want to say um, I'm so touched by Howie's talk tonight. And we practice dana here at our sangha, which is a practice of generosity. And I'm thinking as I hear Howie talk about this night's tragedy that Howie has been here for 25 plus six years and he's been here through many. He was here on September 11th with Eugene and he brings us great peace and calm in these great turbulent times. So our practice of dana is really a, a way of expressing our gratitude for his teachings, for the teachings of the Dhamma, and we have a basket over on the, the organ that you can practice uh, financial dana. But our, our dana is also being here and helping put away and, and being just members of the sangha. So whatever practice you feel moved to um, 
do tonight, we would appreciate it. And if you can't put money in the basket, we also have um, a button on our webpage for PayPal where you can donate that way. Or you can also write a check that uh, is made out to St. John the Evangelist Church with a, a memo on the line to Mission Dhamma, so that would be a tax-deductible donation to our Sangha. So that all keeps us rolling and helps us be able to be here next week and through the next upheaval. Next 26 years. Next 26 years. Each day at a time. Thank you. Thank you, Anne. Just uh, while we're doing announcements, just want to make another reminder that I'll put it also on the listserv uh, one of these days, but uh, I have a day long coming up at Spirit Rock on the 26th of this month. I think it's Saturday the 26th, the introduction to insight meditation. Good for experienced people, also for people, anyone who you know who you may want to turn on to uh, a whole day of instructions and uh, talks, etc. And it's a good way to get your feet wet. And for any of you, a good day to be out at Spirit Rock and immerse yourself and practice for a whole day, not just for an evening. So thank you for your presence here, your attention. Thanks for your support. And uh, all beings are cheering you on for practicing. Thanks. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.